Welcome to PCTY Talks, a new podcast from the human capital management software provider, Paylocity. I'm your host, Sherry Simpson, and as an HR program manager at Paylocity, I will be navigating our journey together as we explore bite-sized topics around HR thought leadership, compliance, diversity and inclusion, and product knowledge. If you have an idea for a future podcast topic, please drop me a note at PCTYTalks at Paylocity.com. On today's episode, I've asked Tahita Shacker to join me to talk about some really important things happening in our country right now and some topics that I hope as HR professionals you are discussing and talking about and addressing in your organization. So Tahita, thank you so much for taking time out of your busy day to join me and have this discussion. Thanks, Sherry. I'm happy to be here with you. Um, as Sherry said, Tahita Shacker, I am a HR consultant. Um, I've been in HR for about a little over 20 years. And um, about two years ago, I stepped out and started my own HR consulting firm. Um, I've, I started focusing on executive coaching, but really saw a void in the um, just a void out there for the diversity and inclusion. And so I decided to really focus there and have been helping companies like Paylocity um, with their diversity and inclusion programs. And I've been specifically working with Paylocity over the past two years or so. Yeah, we've been very fortunate to connect with you. So um, I think this is just a natural progression for us to share this information out with a larger audience. Um, I want to start with, um, I want to dive right in. So Many companies right now are aware of the harsh realities of systemic racism and the disproportionate negative impact it has had and honestly continues to have on the black community. Where do employers begin to truly understand this impact? I think a good place to start is really looking at your internal policies, procedures. The, the easiest place to start is just looking at your representation. What do your demographics say? What are your diversity numbers? Um, and if you have areas where there are underrepresented groups, then that's a starting place because I know a lot of companies um, are showing support and they're passionate about um, equality, diversity, and inclusion. But the first thing that your employees are going to look at is you know, are you walking the talk? Are you, you know, showing the support in your behaviors? And so a good place to start is just looking at your representation. How do you move the needle? Um, but then also looking at your policies and practices, hiring processes. Are there any barriers to entry inadvertently for um, minorities that you can remove to create more of a to create more of that equality and have more of a um, diverse and inclusive um, workplace. So that's a good starting point. And a lot of that happens behind the scenes. It's not for public consumption. It's, you know, taking the time to go through your handbook and look at your policies, your recruiting practices, and figure out where you can close those gaps. I like that you mentioned policies. One of the the notes I wrote down to ask you about is, I think Typically, people and employers have a kind of canned DNI policy, but I've seen the shift now to policies that are diversity, equality, and inclusion. How can employers start to think about incorporating that idea of equality into those policies? Um, well, I think you know you mentioned a canned um, policy, and I think a lot of times 
that's what it is. It's just um, their words. And so you put behaviors and actions behind them. They really don't come to life. So I think to really focus on that equality, you have to make sure that the language that you're depicting in your policy is really being enacted within your organization. So are you taking the steps to recruit, to attract, retain, you know, diverse, diverse people? And once, once they get into your organization, do they feel comfortable? Um, are you creating a culture that welcomes diversity um, and is a destination place for candidates who want to feel like they can bring their whole self to work um, and be included and have a voice, a seat at the table, and that you're not just doing it for um, kind of the demographics and the numbers or to check a box, but you're doing it because you really understand that diversity um, brings innovation, diversity of thought can push the company forward and help those different perspectives really help you answer the call for your clients and your customers who who also come from different backgrounds. So bringing that into the organization is only going to be a positive for the business. And it's really going to be a positive for your employee population who is looking to say, do we live these values? Is this policy something that I can say, yeah, I see this happening in my company, or is it something that gets lost in the pages of the handbook and you don't even know that it's there? You brought up a good point about being being honest um, and not uh, or having your actions be meaningful and not surface level. I think something that that I've thought about is um, so I'm a white female and you know I wonder what my approach should be to um, think about my role as an ally. I he- I heard recently somebody talk about you know I don't want to be an ally. I want to be an accomplice. And so how do mm-hmm. I start having those honest conversations with employee coming from that background, from your perspective? Um, I think to your point, you it, it, it is all about the honesty and really um, being genuine. Um, so, and I think, you know, as a person of color, I know when something, someone is coming to me um, in a genuine way and wants really is looking for, you know, advice on how to be an ally. And then I can also sense when someone is doing it because they think it's the right thing to do in the moment. So I think having those honest, genuine conversations for companies as a whole and as individuals, it's, um, you know, being honest and genuine with yourself and figuring out why is this important to me? Why am I, why do I want to be an ally? Why is this, why am I passionate about it? Um, and then when you can answer that for yourself, it's much easier to approach someone and say, I want to partner with you and understand what I can do to support you to push this movement forward because, and then you fill in the blank, because this is important to me and to help them understand why, because, you know, a lot of people are interested because they want to feel like a good person because it, there is so much um, conversation and attention being given to it within the media um, right now. And so you want to make sure that you're coming from a genuine place. And then, you know, just having, being curious um, and being will be willing to put your walls down and understand that, you know, I don't know everything, but I'm here to, to ask questions and learn. Um, but also I think it's important to just ask for, you know, be invited into that conversation. So letting someone know, you know, this is my intention. Are you willing to have that conversation? You know, do you want to opt in or would you rather 
you know, I know that things are heavy right now. Is that something that you'd rather not talk about right now? Because sometimes, you know, it is a heavy time and sometimes people may not want to, but I do think, you know, being genuine and asking for that invitation. And then if you're invited in, you know, I think the person will kind of guide you. Also remembering that if you're talking to an individual, you're getting their perspective. Everyone has a perspective and not one person. I can't speak for all black people, um, nor, you know, would you be able to speak for all white people? I can give you my perspective and I can let you know, you know, what I've learned over my life and what I've heard from my community. But you also, you may need to diversify your feedback and ask several people um, to truly be an ally and understand, you know, the different perspectives and how you can best support and be a resource for them. I like that you mentioned diversifying your feedback. You know, something that that we're doing here at Paylocity is we're going to be hosting some focus groups to have those conversations. Do you have some tips for, you know, HR professionals who are listening who might want to go down that road and and how they can can begin to create those focus groups and what types of um, topics or questions should they bring up during those groups? Um, I think approaching it with... um, Again, kind of being genuine, being honest, understanding, not going into it with an agenda, um, but going into it as, you know, it's a listening session and you are there to listen, learn and gather feedback. You see yourself as a conduit or liaison. You're someone who you want people to let their guard down and be able to be comfortable um, sharing with you. So um, I think approaching it like, helping the group of people guide the conversation. So how are you guys feeling? You know, how can we better support you? How have you felt about the activities or initiatives that we have done thus far? Um, What else would you like to see? Um, You're kind of putting out, putting questions out there that can guide the conversation, but um, it's not so scripted that, you're kind of asking the question in a way that you get the answer that you want. Um, because if you're, if you're approaching it from a genuine space, the conversation will go where it goes and you may be surprised by the feedback, but that's the point of the conversation because you don't know and you can't make assumptions about a group of people. You need to have the conversation to understand because unfortunately I see companies make, um, make some mistakes by kind of HR or leadership gets in a room and says, okay, this is what we need to do to solve the problem. And they're making that decision in a bubble. Um, And a lot of times there's not a lot of diversity at that table. And then they are surprised when it lands flat or when employees are not, um, don't react positively to their, um, to their efforts. And so it's like, just, you know, get the feedback first before you you start running in the direction of trying to solve because you may be approaching it, you know, running in the wrong direction and you don't even know you have great intentions, but to save yourself some time and to do things that are impactful for the community that you're trying to solve for, have that conversation and get their feedback up front. It's interesting the role that potentially um, ERGs, employee research groups can have during this time. Um, for I, so I have my next question, I guess, is twofold. For those organizations that have ERGs in place, you know, how can you leverage them and partner with them better? And then maybe for those organizations who have realized that maybe now's the time to create an ERG, how can they go down that road? 
Sure. So when it comes to like, if you have an ERG already in place, I think um, sometimes ERGs get, you know, lost in the shuffle or, or, you know, if something isn't happening, um, then they may be forgotten. But now, because this is such, there's so much social unrest and so many social issues going on, it's kind of like, okay, we need our ERGs to step up and do this. Um, but I do think if, you, if you're if you lucky enough to have ERGs within your organization, really using them as a sounding board, because hopefully those ERGs are made up of people that have diverse perspectives, backgrounds, experiences, diversity of thought. Um, and so as an organization who is thinking about what should we do to support a certain community? Um, and if you are rolling something out and you want to know how did it land, what how did, how did the employees feel? A lot of times the ERGs are a great resource, depending on how mature that they that they are, how long they've been around. Um, they're a great resource to serve as a sounding board for um, the organization to bounce ideas off of. Um, and you know they can sometimes partner with HR to lead some of those focus groups and have conversations with employees. I really see ERGs as um, a support group for your internal employee population and also kind of a um, education source. So kind of making it, they are the repository for information when it comes to um, diversity, different backgrounds, you know, they're bringing in speakers or they're, you know, having referring um, websites or books or podcasts for people who want to learn more about their particular um, their particular group. Um, so I think it's really important that ERGs aren't there to just, you know, put on events here or there, but they're really seen as kind of the go-to for feedback um, and their information and educational resource for employees and leaders as well. If leaders are like, we don't know how to handle this, or we're trying to recruit, you know, um, minority candidates and we're having a hard time, are, are we going about it the wrong way? Great resource sounding board to say, you know, this is what we're doing. Any feedback? Should we tweak what we're doing? I think that's a great way that ERGs can be leveraged. Um, and if you are, are a company that, that don't have ERGs and you want to get them started, I think, um, Executive buy-in is really important. Um, the executive leadership really seeing the importance of them because executive sponsorship is going to be important because ERGs can only do so much on their own or if they're partnering with HR, they really need leadership to understand the importance of the groups and then also give them you know, budgetary resources um, and serve as that mentor and guide because they can quickly be, just turn into um, kind of event planners if, they, if they're not getting feedback from their executive sponsor on like, what are the business issues? Where should we be focusing? What are something that would be impactful to our community? What outreach should we be doing? Um, you know, if they're not, if they don't have a direct line to that information, then um, they may not be able to um, make the impact as big of an impact as they could if they were being provided that information and guidance from leadership. That's a really good point about aligning with your executive team. Um, you know, we, we've talked about a lot of kind of ideas on, on what employers can do and, and how HR can take a more active role um, by having those honest conversations um, and not necessarily being at the forefront of um, driving, but more listening. 
you know, one of the things that have has come up is that black employees are leaving companies because they don't feel like they belong. How do we measure that the things that we're doing are creating that change that we need and really creating belonging and inclusivity? And, and it's not just checking a box, that it's genuine. Well, I think, um, and I always tell people this, like um, diversity without inclusion just really doesn't work. And so if, you know, really focusing on your culture and making sure that it's inclusive, even if you don't have a diverse um, employee population today, do the people that are in your organization feel like they're included, that they have a voice, that it may not be ethnic diversity, but do they feel like if they have a different idea that they can voice that with without fear of repercussion, negative repercussions? So I think, you know, as companies just focus on inclusion, creating a culture of inclusion first, and then layering on, you know, diversity and um, adding representation to their organization. Um, I think, you know, when you bring someone into the organization, the best way to make them feel welcomed and included is to check in with them, talk to them. So having, um, whether it's formal or informal, having um, a way to stay connected with your um, diverse candidates as they come into the organization and, you know, have, have checkpoints to just talk to them and say, Hey, how's it going? You can do that through a feedback, but I think, you know, conversations are always great. You get so much more, um, from just a one-on-one conversation, um, just to see, you know, how are they doing? How are things going? How are they, how are they feeling? I think if you are a company that has an ERG, um, it's promoting those ERGs, letting um, employees know that they are there to be joined. So if um, if you are a company that doesn't have a lot of um, diversity, that there are at least groups that um, employee, minority employees can join. Um, so they have a kind of a support system and network in place. Um, also looking at, especially I know right now, a lot of companies are looking at their leadership representation and saying, hey, we need to add more people of color or just diversity in general into our leadership team. Um, that can be, that can feel very isolating if you're the only diverse person um, and you don't have that support system. So thinking about mentorship opportunities um, where you're creating that support system for, for a person or a community so they don't feel like they're on an island because a lot of times companies will you know, it's kind of like the dating process. You'll court someone really heavy and make them, you know, feel like, okay, this is a great place. It's the place that you need to be. We really want you to be here. But then once you get them on the hook, it's kind of like, okay, they don't hear from you um, anymore. And, you know, all of that um, TLC that they got during the recruiting process is kind of lost. And so, of course, that could leave someone feeling like it was a bait and switch or this isn't what I expected. And so building some of those touch points into just your normal on- onboarding process. It's helpful to keep a pulse on how things are going. So if they aren't going well, you can course correct. Cause the worst thing is that you get the feedback, you know, with a resignation um, and there's nothing that you can do about it at that point. So being proactive and thoughtful about how do you, um, you know, bring um, minority folks into your organization. How do you keep them engaged and, connected so that um, if they are feeling like it's not the right place or if they're having issues that at least they can talk about that before they make the decision that they 
that their only decision or um, point of recourse is to leave. Yeah, really, really good points. Um, so we are we are at the end of, of our discussion here, but I, I do want to let our audience know that um, we, me and Tahita and and two other of our um, partners are going to be conducting a webinar on Monday around the Black Lives Matter movement and your organization. So I will put the link in the show notes if you would like to attend and register for that event. It is free. Um, and we'll continue this conversation along with some other tough questions. But um, if you're listening and Tahita, they want to get a hold of you, what's the best way to do that? Um, they can email me at tshacker at connectsisgroup.com. Um, and connectsis is spelled C-O-N-X-S-I-S. And just shoot me an email or a note, or I, a lot of folks have reached out to me just on LinkedIn. So whatever way works best, I'm definitely here to be a resource. So if you have questions or want more information from me, happy to help. Wonderful. Thank you for taking the time in your day to talk to me. 